Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name is Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics. I'm joined once again by David Byram, our general manager. Hey, DB. Good afternoon, Dom. It's good to be back in the studio with you. And we've brought back a very special guest uh, who's appeared on previous podcasts, which is Lynn Goodair. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Dom. Good to see you. Good to see you again. So Lynn's the CEO and Managing Director of the Australian Human Resource Institute, otherwise known as ARI. <coughs> and Lynn, we had you on the show last time and it was a great chat. And there was something that stood out for us was you talked about, you know, all the headlines on culture in the last year or a couple of years, probably. And a lot of them, you know, have been around shock and shame. But the question is, are we going to do something or is it going to be the same? And what can we do around that? So I guess the, the question is, how do we change it? How do we make sure it's not the same? What do you think? Your point's a, a good one. There there has been recent Royal Commissions and there'll be more to come. And, and I think we might not have needed a Royal Commission to tell us what we perhaps felt and, and experienced. Mm. But it does produce evidence and often mm. change comes as a result of having evidence presented to you. But as you said. Some of it's shocking, quite yep. shameful, yep. and we absolutely need to maintain the rage in regards to making sure it doesn't just go back to being the same. And so to do that, you've actually got to understand, well, why was it that way? What mm. was it that, how did we shape our workplaces and the behaviours of our workers? What, mm. what was it that we rewarded? What was it that we turned away, mm. that we called out that was appropriate, inappropriate and the like? So I think there's a real sense of needing to create some granularity about our workplace cultures. And of course, culture's in many ways quite a nebulous thing, and it's Mm. really difficult to get some boundaries around it. And I say boundaries because I think it does need to ebb and flow. It does need to reshape around a particular organization in a particular sector and industry. But what are the core anchor points of that Mm. culture? So I think for many, they're trying to go back to basics. Okay, what are our values? How are our values aligned to the vision we've set? And what is the framework we have in place to keep us on course? Mm. And I think that includes an appreciation, and this is the piece, I guess, out of the shock to make sure that we are considering from a sustainable point of view, not just financial metrics, but non-financial metrics. Mm. And it's interesting for me with the shock and shame stuff. Like, absolutely, we probably needed that to, you know, shake people up a bit and, and get us concentrating on it. But it's really that, how do we then move beyond that, right? Because it's all good being shocked and, and it's all good shaming companies for having not done the right thing. But we definitely can't just stay there forever. And in my opinion, we can't just keep shaming companies, especially ones trying to do something about it. So what do you think is, you know, for HR professionals out there, you know, what, what's their part in all this, Lynn? What do you reckon? I think HR sits in a really special position and... and the idea that HR, perhaps through some sort of uh, previous headlines we've seen in, mm-hmm. in, in newspapers in recent times, have, have sort of been called out, you know, they're, the, they're there to police mm. or they're there to protect the boss and mm. things like that. But in fact, good HR, skilled professional HR works for the organisation and that at times can mean calling out the boss. Mm. So I think they sit in a a really unique position to be able to provide the perspective to leaders who often are diverted rightfully by you know driving forward with the vision and and all of all of those strategy elements 
but making sure they keep they're staying connected to the people who are following them in that process. It's a great point, Lynn. Like I think because people sometimes do say, "Oh yeah, HR like the the police or or whatever," and in reaction to you know royal commissions and stuff like that, there can be a temptation to go towards let's bring in a whole lot of policies, let's bring in a whole lot of rules and so on. So how how do they you know or should they do that or should they not? And, and if not, what, what should it be, do you think? Well, I think culture is uh, rules. Have you ever sped, Dominic? Of course not. Yeah, of course, course not. not. So there's a lot of rules that say we shouldn't <laughs> go over 40K or we shouldn't go over 60K. But, yeah. you know, we all do rightly or wrongly, intentionally, mm-hmm. unintentionally, mm-hmm. consciously or subconsciously. So human behavior is exactly the same. Mm. But it's understanding the why of that mm. behavior. So, again, being really clear about, not a policy for the sake of a policy, not HR for the sake of HR. Mm. And I think that aspect of that that outside-in perspective, and in fairness, as a profession, it's got a tarnished reputation to some extent. Mm. Um, there's extraordinary HR capability out there, but there's a lot of people who have just sort of hopped in mm. to the role, popped the label on and off they've gone, maybe, yeah. maybe with the best intentions, but sure. not necessarily the right skills. Because um, it isn't about policies for the sake of policies. It actually is about orchestrating a living, breathing organism called a workplace and wrapping a culture around it that unites individuals and technology towards a common purpose. That's a tough gig. That requires a really high level of skill. And and when you've worked with that high level of skill with, as a leader and, and had an HR partner who's like that, you never let that go. Mm. It's a... Uh... What a great start to the discussion. It's interesting. The shock and shame generate headlines. Mm. And the challenge is to move beyond the headline because we're actually talking, and I like what you just said, is that we're, we're talking about living things. An organization is a living thing. It has people in it. And so when these headlines come up with shock and shame, and then the natural reaction is we need to control it. We don't want the bad press. Only release this and say this, but it never works because people might speed. People might turn left rather than right. And so the challenge is how do we help people, and you've said it so well then, how do we help people understand the why? And that takes us back to the core of culture, which is why do we fundamentally exist in the organization? And then what are the the behaviors that are going to help us actually live and thrive and adapt? Because if we think we're going to control our culture through policies and procedures, which I suspect some of the organizations that have just been through commissions are actually trying to do it through policy and procedure, what's going to happen to the people, and this is a prediction, not a fact, they will get disgruntled. They'll be upset. They'll see some things they disagree with and they'll go, but hang on, that's silly. It doesn't work that way. We should do it another way. Therefore, they'll break rules. And they might get away with the breaking the rule and they might break another rule. And all of a sudden they start drifting. And I think some of our organizations who've been through commissions have drifted. And what's happening is their drifting has drifted so far from core societal values and what's accepted. It didn't happen overnight, mm. but they've slowly drifted at sea. And they've now got to the point that society says, that's just unacceptable. You can't do those behaviors. So then they've swung back to, we need to put more policies and procedures and controls in place, but they haven't captured the why. So all of a sudden we get this 
conundrum where people are vacillate between we have policies and procedures, but I can drift a little bit, drift a little bit more, drift a little bit more. Oops, we've been caught. Shock and shame, headline news, but we haven't changed. We're still the same. Mm. So to get to the point of the shock, shame, same, I think the challenge for all of us is how do we be different to what you said and get above that line, get above that place to be curious and creative and look to the future. So with that said, Lynn, what do you think is uh, the pivotal, let's say, three things our HR professionals oh, can do? The old number, that's rough. <laughs> well, I might um, take up that challenge momentarily, but I'll first just speak. <laughs> Fair enough. We have been speaking in a negative sense about yeah. behaviour and, and, and the like and setting up policies and, you know, there, there are yeah. more rules that are going to flow out of um the recent Royal Commission and potentially the, the, the next one and the next one, one yeah. after that. But equally, you actually need, and I, I won't use the word rules, but you need an environment that is supported by good governance. Good governance. Thank you, DB. That actually allows people to do good things as well. And good things in uh-huh. terms of creativity, because how many good things have been developed because someone made a mistake and in fact went, oh, you know, that's it. And we, we've heard all the sayings about, you know, make more mistakes because in that process, we're testing the boundaries. So it does come back and you touched on it, that in between sort of the culture are the anchor points of values. And so what is, what are the values that are going to be, are the derivative or the, what is, what are the values that is derivative of the culture that we want? And how can we manage the ebb and flow that is individuals who are creative and unique and hopefully diverse, because we want to have diversity in that mix and we want to make sure that diversity is included, that allow people to ensure they're aligned. And so I think sometimes less is much better than more when it comes to that, but absolute singularity of clarity around values. Mm. And that's not only in what's said, but what's how people behave, what's rewarded, what's called out, what's let go, and you have to be consistent. Mm. And it, it takes me back talking about values. You, you spoke about speeding or like drink driving or saying, if, if the only reason you don't speed is because you might get caught, then the second you know the police aren't looking or whatever, you're going to speed, right? But really the reason you don't speed or the reason you shouldn't speed is because it's about safety, right? It's about your safety, your family's safety, safety of other people on the road. And that's the value actually underneath it, that if you value safety of, of your family, you won't speed. But if it's only whether you get caught or not, then that's a, as soon as they're looking the other way, you're going to do it, you know, very so, soft line. Yeah, it's, a, it's a well said. It's a motivation in our language of fear, right? So mm. it's, a, it's a security mindset if I look at the circumflex versus satisfaction mm. mindset. I'm not speeding because I just saw the police car. I'm not speeding because it's the right thing to do. And I know it's the right thing to do because me not speeding is going to Im- not impact the lives of others. Mm. It's, a, it's a challenge in all organizations. It's a good link to safety as well mm. because we want people to be safe and wear the right protective equipment. And the poor HR professional is often someone who gets, well, make sure they're wearing their protective equipment. But it's really not wearing the protective equipment. It's actually helping them understand the why they need to wear the protective equipment. Yeah. And then HR role is to make sure that everybody understands the why, not that they're wearing it. If they understand the why, naturally you will wear it. And the why comes back to purpose. So to your three points, I think 
in choosing the profession of HR, be really clear as to, to what is the purpose of good HR and the value that it can bring in terms of its impact on work and the shape of work. And we know that's changing and it needs to be agile on the shape of workplaces and how they're looking. It's not a place you go anymore. It's where mm. activity and productivity and, and connectivity occurs. And then, of course, the worker. And the worker, too, is changing in being augmented, being replaced in some cases, but ultimately it is going to be about human beings. And I think understanding that purpose and then understanding the skill set that you need to apply to that purpose is really, really important. And for us, that's where the certification articulates that combination of knowledge and skills and professional behaviours. And then the third piece I would add, because you gave me a challenge of three points, was (laughs) to make sure you stay connected to a community because this is a tough gig. It's, It's as equally exciting, opportunistic as it is challenging, but that's half of the fun at the same time. And I think that's an important place that ARI plays. And it's not just ARI in terms of its members, and we have 20,000 members, so it's a lot of points of connectivity, but equally to our partners, of which Human Synergistics is a really important partner, that this is a hard gig. The demands of this gig are going to constantly change. Your skill sets are going to need to stay agile and adaptive and expanding. And so staying connected, staying supported, knowing when to tap others on the shoulder, where to go to, to learn is very important. So I think that for me, that community piece is the third piece. I like it. I like that connected community piece. It's pivotal. You mentioned certification and we have many of your members that listen to our podcast. We get feedback regularly. And I think they're all somewhat aware of the certification, Mm. but they probably don't have the depth of knowledge would you like to talk through the certification, oh, sure. the goals and the process and yeah. help our, help your members? Yeah. Well, we, ARI has at the core of its vision is very much to shape this profession for the future. Oh. We can't actually shape the future, but we can, we can have a responsibility to make sure that our members are, have a core capability that is about the future. And I guess the, the disrespect towards HR is what's really motivated me personally from the point of view that there's a lot of people who are very quick to put down HR, to Uh blame HR. Uh And from my perspective, that is because they actually haven't seen good HR. Because when you see good HR in action and when you have it partnering with you, particularly as a leader, it's extraordinary. So Uh for us, we understood the responsibility to articulate, well, what is good HR? And then, in fact, get our house in order, hold people accountable to that, make sure that it's understood and recognisable and then take that to market in a way that we can say to leaders, this is what good HR is and this is how you find it. So because we know our members all bring a different set of skills and capabilities based on their career journey. So we've got members, we've got student members all the way to most senior experienced members in all industries and sectors. So we recognised that, yes, there is a baseline of, of capability we believe is core to this profession upon which you need to continuously mm. evolve and, and develop, as all professions do. Mm. But the way to that position has a lot of different pathways. So for our senior leaders who don't need to do certification for their careers, they're well-established, well-recognised with a personal brand that they can carry to the right, market. Right. But many of our senior leaders have engaged because they say, we get what you're doing and why you're doing it. We have fought to get to this position. In fact, we've often fought with the brand of HR. In fact, I've heard senior leaders, not our certified ones, but in the past say, 
oh, I'm not like those other HR people ah, and tried yeah, to distinguish wow. themselves in that way. Yeah. So because we are proud of the certified brand and it is now being well recognised within employers, we've got a lot of senior leaders who've said, well, hang on, this is about the future of this profession that I love. I want to be part of it. I want to lead it. And so they've got involved and it's a very respectful process that casts back in terms of something they've done, where they've impacted and they've got the evidence of their impact and they can demonstrate the combination of skills and knowledge and behaviours they had to draw upon. We've then got study pathways. It's a postgraduate level program. It's a four unit program. And the final unit of the program is all about impact. It's a project. It's what you do and how you evidence mm, practical. all of the mm. knowledge and skills and then your professional behaviours are tested in that environment in your workplace. It's not something you go over here and study at night at a different time and then theory. come back and do real work. It's integrated. So it's incredibly <laughs> valuable and, and you build up to that. Because ARI is the professional institute and body for HR, we do look at all of the university courses and, and they submit their courses to us to accredit them from a knowledge perspective. So if someone's done an accredited ARI master's program or a university program that ARI is accredited, then they get cross-credit across the three units uh -huh. that are the knowledge units. So they come in and just need to do the capstone unit. We also have a recognition of prior learning because we know that in many cases, we learn so much more in situ than we do perhaps in a, a more traditional sense. So there's a lot of respectful pathways. The final pathway is to our counterpart in the UK, the CIPD, where they're probably 20 plus years ahead of us in terms of if you want to have a serious career in HR, then employers have an expectation that you be chartered. Mm. And just as we know that's the case in many, an most professions in Australia, yep. but for some reason we haven't quite got there, although we are seeing that in ads now and it's just fantastic. So what we did was did a really extensive mapping and we're the only institute in the world that has a reciprocity back to the CIPD. Mm. So if you are a chartered CIPD member and you come to Australia, you can apply automatically to be become certified right. and it's an automatic reciprocity and vice versa. Fantastic. Because so that's, a that's a real recognition of the quality of the program here. Well, we know that we love Australia for all the reasons we're, we're sitting here today in yeah. beautiful downtown Sydney, but we recognise geographically we're sitting in an isolated spot in the world, you know, often the time mm. seem to be quite distant. And so whatever we do has to not just be about the profession here in Australia. It has to have relevance and have amplification well beyond our, our borders. And this is a really mobile profession. And it's a mm. profession when people get the value of good HR, they actually are in demand. So what we've done, as I said, through this process and through a respectful series of pathways and a high quality standard, working with partners from universities to, to other associations, we now have a post-nominal that we can go to market and say, this distinguishes good HR. Mm. And these people have committed not only to distinguishing themselves and meeting the standard, but they're committed to a continuous professional development because we audit all of our certified members 100% against the, the number of CPD hours they need, need to do over 30 hours over a, a three-year period. And we also have a code of conduct. Probably people don't know that we, oh. have, we have dismissals from our membership where people make complaints and against a member and we have a code of conduct as well. So I guess you can say this is what good HR is and looks like if someone's certified, but they equally at a professional level have committed to their continuous professional journey and to a code of conduct as it so, relates to the profession. Uh, so they're living it. They so are. it's not a one-off, yeah. No, no. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that for your members and our listeners because it's, it's pivotal 
been quite impactful. There's multiple pathways mm. that people can actually be recognized and actually live the values and the cultures to actually make a difference. And dare I say, changing the world, potentially one well, organization at a time. Yeah. Where do you get that line? Um, <laughs> but when you think about it, and, and you're right, when you think about the impact of good HR, or you think about the impact of bad HR or no HR in an organization mm. and the impact on individuals, the impact on the team that individuals are part of, the organization that t- person is a part of, the family they go home to Huge. at night that they then live their lives with, the community they're part of, the ripple effect of a skillful HR capability is enormous. And I think, as I said, when organizations see what good HR looks like and know how to find it, they will never give it up. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the fact that Lynn's mentioning the ripple effect is probably, right just, up DB's alley, yeah. probably just made, <laughs> made this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. I'd recommend uh, to any of our listeners who uh, want to get some more detail, they can log in through to the ARI website. There's a lot of wealth of information about the certification process and the pathways, and it's incredible. And there's a wonderful portal now, so you can see those who are proud and bold in terms of the way they're taking this profession. And as I said, that's we're proud to display them there, and we're equally proud to go out and tell employers that's where you find them. I love for those people that you talked about earlier who said, oh, well, I'm not like the other ones. Well, finally, it actually gives people a benchmark, a standard that, hey, this is what we call good HR. And as I said, there's a, many of our members don't yet hold the certification post-nominals, mm. but they've been terrific RE members, but terrific practitioners. I guess the challenge for us is that just because you've done it for a long time doesn't allow us to put our hands on our heart. That ability to actually apply Mm. the certification standard in a respectful way, particularly Mm. if you're a highly experienced practitioner, means we can move you into a a point of distinction that allows us to talk confidently and Mm. hold ourselves accountable, hold you accountable as a a practitioner. And as I said, once there's a momentum and and it it is exciting to see the momentum. Absolutely awesome. And it's it's pivotal and uh, the link back into the UK and to every other, pro- every other profession. It's just, it should be a standard and it's a standard that'll make a difference. Well done. Congratulations. Well, well done to the, the RE team and, and the RE members who actually believe in this profession. Yep. Fantastic. I love it. I think that's a great note to, to wrap up on. You know, I, I think it's a, it's a great initiative that ARI are taking on, so... If our listeners want to learn more, check out the ARI website. We'll have a link to it in the the show notes of this podcast as well, so you can tap it on your phone while you're listening. So check it out there. But otherwise, Lynn, thanks so much for coming in. We really value your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you both. Yes, thank you, Lynn. It's absolutely awesome to uh, have you in Sydney with us today. We might even get you back another day. My gosh. (laughs) Let's do it. Thanks, Dominic. Thanks. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.